This will be the shortest sermon I've ever preached to Rock Valley Bible Church this morning. <laughs> I thought about, uh, whoa, I thought about just um, holding off. Um, I, I don't know about you, my soul was refreshed. Is your soul refreshed in God's Word? I, I hope that my aim of God's Word coming in multiple different ways uh, stood your heart. I know some I was in tears even thinking about God's Word and everything that has come to us, just thankful to the Lord. I think about how, how I really grew up in a church where God's Word was not, not held central at all. And uh, we were Christian in name, and, but it wasn't according to the truth of God's Word. And I'm just thankful for what He's given. Well, I, I will, I'll work my notes. I could, I could preach a, a while actually this morning, but we'll... We'll work it. It'll be fine. Uh, but I, I think that, that I do have a burden on my heart that we would uh, be refreshed by God's Word just working through one of the stanzas. And, and the stanza that I want to work through this morning is the stanza beginning in verse 33. Above that stanza, you can see, is, is the letter. And I know that if you see it there, you're going to pronounce it wrong. Well, what does it say there? It says, he, but it actually is hey is the, the Greek letter there. Every single one of these verses start with the letter hey. In fact, kids, I got on the children's notes uh, some Hebrew text there. If you uh, parents want to just kind of look over, you can see they all start with that, that first letter H, <coughs> if you will. It's the letter, letter hey. Now what's significant about that is that there is a particular Hebrew tense that, that uh, every word in that tense begins with the letter H. And it is called the Hippel tense. That might be a new word for some of you, unless you've studied Hebrew before. It's the Hippel tense. Um, and what that tense is about is it's about a, a, a causative nature to the verb. And so what, what happens oftentimes is that it's, it's kind of a command or request is a Hippel. So you can say, for instance, show me or feed me, feed me or bring to me. It's, it's kind of like a command, but, but there are other command forms in Hebrew but it, there tends to be an, ex, uh, um, uh, an intensity to it. There tends to be a causality to it. So rather than show me, it's more cause me to see. And rather than feed me, it would be something like cause me to eat. And, and rather than bring to me, it would be more like cause me to hold. This, this causality idea comes across. And in fact, you can see it here in verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. If you pick in the sense of the Hiphil, it's more like this. Cause me to learn the way of your statutes. Or verse 34. Give me understanding that I may observe your law. It's more this. Cause me, O God, to understand your law. That's what the psalmist is saying. Just really depending upon the Lord for everything. I, I want to read through this so you can catch the, the Hiphil verbs here. There's only one one verse that doesn't start with a verb in the hiphil. And maybe you can look for it as I read, okay? I'll give you a little quiz. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. 
Turn away my reproach, which I dread. For your ordinances are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. Did you catch the verse there that wasn't a hippil? The guess? The last one. It starts with a hine, which is behold. And there's a command there, revive me, but that's in the PL, not in the hippil, which doesn't mean anything to you. But, but the hippil, it's going to cause me is really the, the idea of that. And, and so, in light of the letter H, or hey, and in light of the, the hiffel, here's my sermon title this morning, hey, work in me. Getting the hey there, and just kind of saying, God, get, I'm getting your attention, that's what the is about. So letter hey, and saying work in me, because that's what this, this stanza is all about. It, he's just saying, teach me. Give me understanding. Make me walk. Incline my heart. Turn away from my eyes and establish your word towards me. I mean, all these are, are very much God work in me, work in me, work in me, work in me. The only one that's not is in verse 39, where it's more turn away my reproach, turn away the, what the enemies would do. But other than that, it's, it's God work in me. So it's, it's very appropriate for my sermon title to be, Hey, work in me. Let's all say it together. You ready? Hey, work in me. Four ways in which he's requesting to work in me. First one is teach me. Verse 33 and 34. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. The thrust of both these verses is the same. It says this, God, teach me that I may follow you. And I want you to think here about the psalmist dependence upon the Lord to learn His Word. He didn't say, God, I'm going to go and study real hard so I know about You so I can obey. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I'm going to devote, God, an hour every day to memorizing Your Scripture and I'm going to be really committed to this because I need to learn what You're about and I'm going to do that. No, He didn't say any of that, did He? He said, God, You be the teacher, I be the learner, and You teach me. You cause me to learn. You cause me to have understanding. Give me understanding. That's what He's saying. And the only way you'll pray this is if you're convinced that spiritual truth is spiritually discerned. See, spiritual truth is more than an intellectual exercise and understanding. We we need the Lord to teach us His precepts. We need a divine encounter if we're going to understand His testimonies. The Bible is a supernatural book. And we need supernatural help to help us understand. That's why it's a good idea always before you're going to read your Bible, if you're in devotional time in the morning, evening, whatever, to pray. Just, just, just a little, little prayer. Even this would be a great one. God, teach me the way of your statutes. Teach me. Give me understanding. Short little prayer like that. And then you can read. And then as you read, you can, while you read, be praying. Oh God, help me to understand. Help me to, help me to know what this is. God, what does this mean? God, help me, help me. And then when you're done, you set your Bible aside, Bible aside so God, continue to teach me. Show me insights from your Word. It's just a, it's a heart of dependence on what, what the psalmist is talking about here. Just a total dependence upon the Lord to discern. And we know that in the area of salvation for sure. <clears throat> is it the natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God because they're spiritually discerned? And you can talk to your blue in the face with those who are unsaved and they won't understand a thing that, that, that you tell them. 
until God in His sovereign work does a change in their heart and then they have their spiritual antennas available and then they, they can see and can discern the spiritual truth that comes into their mind. I've often said that uh, people are like um, radio transmitters. And God's you know, radio signals are all about through this room, right? And you can't see them unless we have a radio transmitter that God puts into our hearts. Then we can hear them. The music starts coming out and so it is with God's Word. Is that, is that apart from that, a natural man is not going to understand the things of the Spirit of God. But when God breaks in and, and creates us and makes us a new creation, then all of a sudden God's Word, which was dead to us before, becomes alive and we see it and we know it. And that which is true of salvation is also true post-salvation as well. Is it don't think just because you're a believer you can understand God's Word with enough effort. No, you need God's help. You need divine help to understand divine truth. And that's what he's saying here. But, but notice even it's not just a knowledge of the truth. It's ending in obedience. Teach me the way of your statutes and I shall observe it. I will obey. Give me understanding right, for the purpose that I might observe your law and keep with all my heart. Right? Teach me these things, God, that I might walk in a way pleasing in your sight. That's what he's saying. And I just say this, church family. Curse the day when you start studying God's Word for mere intellectual curiosity curse that day because that is foreign to the Bible. The Bible always brings with it a, a devotional love and obedience to Him. As He says here, that I, I want to observe it until the end. I want to keep it with my whole heart just fully engaged in everything I know, oh God. And that's how we ought to approach His Word. Teach me, verse 34 and 35, 33 and 34 rather, Hey, work in me. Teach me. Second point, move me. Move me. This is verse 35 and 37. We're going to skip verse 36 because it is a little bit different prayer request. But move me. Look what he says here in verse 35. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. He says in verse 37, Turn my eyes away from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. As, as I have said this, it says, God, move me. God, make me obey. God, keep my eyes where they belong. Keep them looking at what they need to look at. Now, in no way does this remove His responsibility or our responsibility to walk before the Lord in purity before Him. And as the psalmist fails to walk in the path of His commandments, his eyes fall upon the coveted item or upon the pornographic image, or upon the trivialities of life. Listen, he's fully responsible for his sin. He, fully. But, but, but listen to this. You've got to see here is that the psalmist realizes where his obedience comes from. It doesn't come from a well of goodness within us. It comes from God causing us to obey. Right? Isn't that what it says? Cause me, verse 35, the Hiphil sense. Make me, cause me to walk in the path of your commandments. Verse 37, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. This is evangelical obedience. It is God-caused obedience. I think of the Apostle Paul. When, when he said, he was, he was boasting about his, he was an apostle, okay, to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he says, I labored more than all of the apostles. And he said, you want to stand Peter up against me? Stand him up. You want to stand James up against me? You stand him up. You stand up all the apostles against him. You say, okay, who worked the hardest? And Paul said, I worked the hardest. And do you know what he said? He said, yet not I. 
but the grace of God in me. And he fully understood that, that yes, he worked hard. And yes, he labored far more than all the other apostles, but he, he knew it, it, it really, at the end, it wasn't him. It was God who was working in him. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. I am what I am by the grace of God. Not only in His salvation, but also in His Christian obedience. And that's what he's talking about here in verse 35 and 37. He's saying, God, make me walk down that path. And directly, he's saying, God, God, control the muscles of my eyeballs so I don't look in the wrong place. That's what he's saying. Pleading dependence upon the Lord to, to help him and cause him to walk in obedience. Listen, church family, if you think you can stand on your own, you're in trouble, right? Take heed lest you fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. But have this attitude. Say, God, make me obey. Right? Some temptation comes along. You be praying this, God, make me obey. Turn my eyes from vanity. So you obey. You know what? People hate this doctrine that I'm putting forth here. There are people who hate this. Because I think they deny responsibility. We're not denying responsibility, but we're, we're, we're showing the, the true cause. Right? Philippians 2, 12 and 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God who's working in you to willing to do for His good pleasure. That's why we work it out, because we know that God's working in us. People hate this doctrine. They think it makes us a robot, thinks it denies our freedom. And one such man was a man named Pelagius. He lived during the end of the 4th century.